morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly with our special, amazing, awesome guest, Lauren. And I want to, I want to, we're going to talk about today. I'm going to kick it right to you in a second. What we're going to talk about is all about, you know, referrals and how that's just a great way for people. This is sound wrong to cut in line, basically, to get to the front of the line and get noticed as opposed to just sending out resumes. So that's just kind of given the big picture. But Laura, let me kick it to you. And maybe you could tell about what prompted you, someone who came from Bain, from Foursquare, uh, 30 under 30 for Forbes, what made you decide to go and start, make a startup for referrals? I think great, great question. Um, so first, hi, happy to introduce myself. Mm -hmm. I'm Lauren Smith, co-founder and CEO of Refer. And Refer is a talent solution that helps companies easily take those referral programs they've relied on for years. Most companies will point to them as their best source of talent, which we'll get to in a second. And rather than rather than relying exclusively on current full-time employees, we help them extend those programs so that they can expect, accept referrals from the true breadth of their network, be it company alumni, industry peers, GitHub followers, Discord communities they're part of. It really ranges very widely for different companies companies. But what it means for job seekers is that it's opening the gates of where a quality referral can come from and expanding the sources of networks that companies are relying on to find those high quality candidates outside of the typical application funnels. Um, how I stepped into the founder game, uh, I guess I've been a consummate generalist for most of my most of my career. I learned to say jack of all trades, master mm -hmm. of some rather than master of none, probably too late because there are things that I do have expertise in. But first in consulting and then over the course of my career at, at Foursquare, Bright Hire and other consulting engagements, it has been in the realm of strategy and really wearing whatever hat is necessary to help the business move along. And if you're the person who gets excited by those dynamic experience, who wants to jump into whatever the biggest problem facing a business is, be it in marketing, operations, product, and more, the founder hat might be right for you. Uh, it was probably an itch that like a lot of founders I'd had for my entire life. I'd worked for great companies, wanted to try my hand at starting my own, but I can't escape that endless, I can't escape the importance of that endless curiosity because as a founder, you really are wearing all of those different hats. Some of them are more fun than others, to be honest. This is a really fun time to wear the founder hat is doing these kinds of conversations with great people. Um, but with Refer in particular, it actually, to be honest, wasn't my concept. Um, it was my co-founder and CTO, uh, Mike Montero, phenomenal engineering leader, Silicon Alley, born and bred. Um, and he's obviously someone who has given and received referrals many times over the course of his career. And he was out at dinner with a friend one night, and that person was saying, oh, my God, Mike, I've been looking for this very particular data science manager profile for forever. I'll give you 10000 bucks if you can find someone for me. And the light bulb moment was born, that referrals don't just have to come inside a company's four walls. But that in reality, we're relying on referrals for so much of what we do from so many different people. You know, Lauren, just to kind of take a step back for people who may yeah. not be aware of how these things work, maybe you could help us out. So 
do all companies or just some companies or many companies have internal referral programs so that if let's say an employee, let's say I'm an employee of XYZ widget company and I know somebody who's really super awesome and I go to, you know, their employee referral program, submit that person, I might get a financial reward for doing so. And plus the company gets a great candidate and employee. Is that kind of sort of baseline what goes on? That is definitely kind of sort of what goes on with the caveat that there are just like there are all different types of talent teams and hiring practices across companies, how companies actually administer their referral programs very widely. But to answer your first question, not all companies, but from our research, uh, both both secondary and primary, most companies do have Mm -hmm. these internal referral programs. I'd estimate about 70 to 75 percent of companies have them. That's huge, by the way, right? It's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not and one thing that's even more important is that it's not limited to a particular kind of company or a particular kind of job. Uber relies on referrals for their Uber drivers mm-hmm. in much the same way that Series C software companies rely on referrals for engineering talent. It's not that this is limited to one kind of role, one size of company, or one geography by any means. Um, referrals are widely utilized across all ranges of industries and companies. But so to to follow up on your next point, the way it works is that there's typically some incentive in exchange for making a successful referral. Cash is by far the most common incentive that people use, but other times it can range from associated company swag. There's a company out there, uh, Ergata, that does rowing machines sort of similar to Peloton, and I'm fairly certain that their referral bonus incentive is actually an Ergata machine. So it might vary, but typically it is see an open job make a referral for someone you know and in the case that you're successfully that in the case that that person is successfully hired and onboarded the employee then receives the the reward okay not to be crass but since you mentioned cash what what's kind of on the spectrum if so let's say you know i you know refer christine to a certain to Mm -hmm. you know whatever company and she goes through the interview hiring process and they bring her aboard. What, how much money can I expect to maybe get as a financial reward? It's to be honest, a lot of money. Um, So numbers, numbers vary widely and we see similar variation on our own platform because we allow all of our companies to set their own bonuses. And to be honest, those referral bonuses range on our platform from about $500 to $10,000. But the average that we see and the average that we hear standard across the industry for internal referral programs is about $2,500. So it's a lot of money for a couple of minutes of efforts, assuming that your company's got a relatively relative straightforward system to make it work. But one thing that's really important to note, and I hope we talk a little more about it, is that while cash is king, the carrot is necessary to create those behavior patterns in a lot of cases, when you talk to individuals who make referrals, the vast majority of the time, they're doing it for pure reasons, not for their own cash take. They're either doing it one, to help an individual in their network who's looking for a job or two, to help their company because they really like their company and they wanna bring in other great people. You'll 
probably be unsurprised to know that the strength of a company's referral program is often very closely tied to the strength of a company's culture and engagement. Employees who want to stay and grow at a company want to bring their friends along for the ride. It, well, it makes so much sense because from running a search firm for like 25 years, there's, there's a really good feeling if you can get somebody a job and have them have a better yeah. life. I mean, there's intrinsic it, like value of like, wow, I helped this person. They hated where they were. Their boss was a toxic micromanager. Now they're at a better job, making more money. They're happy. They come home from work. Their partner, spouse, kids are happier. And it makes a huge difference. So so you have huge both. So you get a maybe on average, let's, let's even say 2,000. But 2,500 sounds even better and 10,000 sounds even better. <laughs> so let's say whatever it is. So you get a financial incentive but you're also doing good, right? And you're helping people. Yep. You're, you're helping people and you're helping people all along the process mm -hmm. because the benefits that referrals really provide are multifold. They're a huge benefit in terms of hiring quickly. It would be great if people put up roles six months in advance of when they're going to need to fill those people or three months in advance of when they need to fill those people. But let's be honest, that's rarely true. Roles open up because there's immediate need and you want to fill that seat as quickly as possible. And oftentimes referrals result in much faster hiring um, there are often SLAs involved in how quickly companies need to respond to referrals, which I'm happy to talk about. But by creating a faster hiring process, identifying quality candidates uh, more quickly, the hiring process is much more efficient and cost effective, uh, cost effective for everybody involved. But the real dividends come later because the real research that I find most interesting is that referred candidates stay on average 70% longer than non-referred candidates, building that deeper continuity and growth within the company over time. Now, how does it work? So let's say I'm going to refer somebody to your company. Um, as a recruiter, what I would do is have to, I would usher them and hold their, the hand of the candidate throughout the whole interview process. Is it that way with referral or no? Once you just make the referral, you hand it off to the company and then they do all the rest. It's largely that it gets handed off to the company. Okay. So you make a referral. It's typically processed through your company's applicant tracking system, mm -hmm. which is sort of the, the sales force of truth for most talent organizations where they're using to capture all of their candidate and pipeline information. Typically with referred candidates, I know a lot of us are dealing with the frustration of, you know, send through a job application and you don't even get a no. You just sit and wait for the next three, four, five weeks wondering if anyone's going to get back to you. One thing that really benefits candidates is that most companies as part of their referral programs have SLAs around how quickly they will reach out to and respond to the candidate. If one of their employees is putting themselves on the line and saying, hey, I think my friend Susie would be a really good fit. Well, suddenly the talent teams are indebted to both the referrer and Susie. So there's a quicker response time. But in general, the process from there is completely the same. Um, the, higher, the, the person who made the referral is not having a more active part within the process, but the candidate experience is usually better. And companies are typically quite sensitive to communicating timely updates on where the candidate stands and progress so the referrer stays informed, while also protecting the candidate's privacy, if in the case it's a misfit, et cetera. That becomes an opportunity to give the referrer 
feedback on what kind of candidates are the best fit, but obviously every candidate's hiring journey is highly personal and that information has to be protected. So, so the person makes the referral doesn't have to worry about, oh my gosh, now I got to work through a whole interview process. It doesn't happen, nope. but then the company will give some sort of feedback maybe throughout it. So the person made the referral knows what's going on so they could share it with the person as well. I should caveat one thing with everything that I'm saying is that I'm going to focus on best practices, companies right, right. who are doing great things with right. their referral programs, like anything else, some companies really focus on it, nurture it, right. help their employees engage with it, et cetera. And unsurprisingly, they typically have the most successful referral programs. There are plenty of companies out there that have referral programs that their employees have never even heard of. They don't even know that it exists. And so those are going to be less successful ones. But typically at most companies, correct. The referral process should take a few minutes at most. It should be done through a system with making it very easy and very clear to the referrer the steps they need to take to refer a candidate. Typically, it's just contact information, maybe a resume or LinkedIn link, um, and then a couple of uh, questions. How do you know this person? How would you rank them versus others that they've mm -hmm. worked with, et cetera? But it really should be a relatively simple process. But just like candidates want to stay informed about where they are in the process, good companies keep their referrers informed about where those candidates are because at the end of the day, their employees are their brand ambassadors and they want those people to be feel informed and feel good about the referrals they're making. And from, tell me what you think about this. But what I've seen is that generally speaking, a lot of times when people and, and folks who are watching it now and be watching it you know, tomorrow, next week, what have you, I think the biggest thing that drives them crazy is that they're applying to jobs and like they'll go to LinkedIn and they'll see this job and a thousand people already applied and, but they still have to apply. And it's just, it's just, it's heartbreaking because it's like, they can't yep. get the interviews, nothing is happening. But it seems like with referrals through your organization or just in general, I've noticed if somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who works at the company, it just, just, just makes it so much smoother because you get in front of the right people and you kind of move up in line and it helps out. Is, is that kind of, have you noticed that too? So it's a big difference between just sending resumes out, right? It's it's a massive difference. I would say it's about a hundred x difference mm. at minimum. If I was going to put it that strongly, yeah. um, based on our own calculations, we think the average success of a job board application hovers below 0.1 percent. And the fact of the matter is, is that while job boards remain by far the most common tool out there for both identifying job opportunities and then applying for them, the vast majority of them are fundamentally broken and aren't working for employers or, or, or job seekers. In essence, those job boards have been incentivized to capture as many applications as possible, to create it as frictionless as possible. I'm sure all of us have seen one-click apply funnels, mm -hmm. but that kind of thing, if you're requiring so little work and so little friction to apply to a company, a lot of times what you're getting through it is just garbage. And that's what we've heard over and over again from recruiters, that they can post a job on several popular job boards. Overnight, they'll have 500, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 applications, but the vast, vast, vast majority of them, I'm talking north of 90%, 
are entirely unqualified for their position and are just someone clicking through as many applications as they can. What's tough about that is that it dilutes the pipeline for the applicants who are high quality in there because recruiters just like everybody else have very limited time and they're using multiple pipelines and because of that they're going to focus on the ones that yield the highest and that is referrals and it's not job boards the number one piece of advice i give to any job seeker is to find jobs on job boards but apply anywhere else even just applying on the career website immediately 10x is your chance of getting noticed Lauren, I can tell you from firsthand personal experience, you're you're 100% right because give you a random example. When crypto was kind of hot and remote was hot, I would, you know, have these crypto related jobs, remote jobs, and I would get no exaggeration two let's say on LinkedIn, 2 3,000 resumes coming in. Maybe, maybe 3 might be okay. Just okay, not even great, like three, okay. Because what ends up happening, everybody to what you were saying is shooting their shot, spraying and praying, put on whatever kind of, you know, t you know, cliche kind of thing, but that's what happens. They're all just, because it becomes so easy to, you know, easy apply, boop, click it and it's there. And everyone's doing it and you're right. So what ends up happening for an HR person, for a talent acquisition person, for an interviewer, or hiring manager, you're getting a thousand, 2000 resumes and it just, it's overload. It's just, 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 it's, yep. it's, and this is what's so frustrating too, Lauren, because then the candidates get upset because they don't hear back, but then the HR people, talent acquisition people say to me like, Jack, how can I get back to a thousand people just for one job? This is just one job. And let's say you're in a big company and you have 30 other jobs you're recruiting for. It's just, it's just impossible. So it's a big bottleneck, yeah. right? When we, when we talk to our customers over and over again, having enough applications as if number of applications mm. was the magic number that organizations should be, should be focusing on is no longer a problem. With yeah. most ATS, you can post any job to 15 or honestly 500 job boards with just a couple of clicks and you are going to get lots of applications. But the problem is identifying those quality applications. I'll say, though, this makes it really hard on job seekers. We're telling them, hey, yeah, job boards are by far the most ubiquitous way of applying, but they also don't work. And the likelihood that your resume even gets a careful screen mm -hmm. is low because the pipeline overall is so diluted. So what are your alternatives? That's a lot about what we're focused on with building refer is saying people know referrals work because that personal validation of someone's capabilities and their character is huge. But rather than limiting it to current full-time employees, which are honestly such a tiny fraction of a company's network, how do you democratize the access to that special cutting in line, as you put it, mm -hmm. and make it easier for you to get a referral to a company, even if you don't know anyone who's working there today? Because like what I what I would recommend what I usually recommend to people, whether friends, family, you know, folk just trying to help out with to find out, I'll usually say something to the effect of, hey, find kind of the group of target companies you'd love to work for. And then yep. once you have that, then try to see who do you know who works at that company? Either you know someone directly, or if not directly, like six degrees of separations, like someone you know who knows someone who knows someone. Yep. <laughs> and, and then to beg, plead, cajole, 
call in favors, do whatever it takes to get that person to say, hey, here's Jack's resume. Trust me, he's great. He's smart. He's wonderful. He's perfect for the job. Can you just take a look at it? So to at least get in front of, of the line, which sounds a little better than cutting in line, which just sounds cold, but it is what it is. But so, <laughs> so you get so you get it right to the to the right person. Now, what you're doing is taking that to the nth degree, where you now you're doing it by leveraging Slack. Well, to talk a little bit more about. It. So you're using all sorts of different means, right, to get that person in front of the decision makers. Like right away. Absolutely using lots of different times, okay. but we are focused just to go to something that you're saying first on yeah. these concepts of extended networks and how your first connection doesn't need to be sitting inside of a company's four walls for you to be able to connect with that company and for you to be part of that company's network. To put it in, in simple math terms, because mm -hmm. a lot of people think, well, my network's too small for me to effectively network. If you're focused on internal referrals only, let's say to make the number super simple that everybody has on average 10 connections, then sure, you're only limited to 10 connections. You've got 10 people. They're each sitting at a different mm -hmm. company. There are 10 companies that you can get a referral to. But if you multiply that by 10 and view every one of your first connections as a source of their first connections, your second connection, you immediately multiply that and suddenly there are 100 companies at which you might be able to get a referral into. And so it is that that multiplier effect that we're looking to do, especially as we see as we see individuals move more frequently between companies. Um, alumni are a huge focus for us. But we spend a lot of time, to your point, thinking about who those networks for a company might be that they'd want to activate. Let's take a senior product designer role. And we're really focused on a pretty nuanced definition of network, and we allow each company to help us understand which are important to them. So some are very specific to a company. A company's alumni are obvious ones for us company uh, users of the company's product, uh, vendors of the company, GitHub followers of the company. Sometimes they have their own Discord communities and active users in there are great source of referrals. But other times it's more industry associations that they might be interested in. Hey, you're looking for a great senior product designer? Well, there are great design-focused communities out there like Design Buddies on Discord. And if you're open to accepting it from, from industry professionals, that's going to 10x your reach of relevant professionals versus only looking at the couple of product designers you may have currently hired. Does that make sense? So it's looking at both communities specific to a company and then interest industry identity-based communities that could be relevant to that role in company mix. Now, Lori, is this primarily tech-oriented or it's all sectors across the board? Um, right now, we're primarily working with venture back tech. Long term, our goal is anybody who hires. And we've had conversations with a lot of very big uh, companies that you've heard of. And down the line, we want to be helping referrals for everything from software engineers, which is sort of our bread and butter today, um, to warehouse drivers, to accountants to whom for whom there's a huge shortage, to government workers. The basic concept that we're working with is addressable across industries. Right now, probably focused 
in no, uh, probably as a result in no small part of my network and my background, mm -hmm. we're largely working with folks within venture back tech. Um, typically, C, Series B through C is our sweet spot when they're really scaling up talent operations and hiring for a for the first time and have a long-term remit of growth. And while our platform is role agnostic, it does skew a bit technical, a lot of engineering product and design roles, just based on where we see the most hiring right now. Well, that makes sense because you want to have a proof of concept, right? So you, you're starting with a vertical that you know about and you understand and say, hey, you know, rather than start something, I have no idea what's going on. Let me know where I know yeah. people, I have contacts, I have a network built over. So doing that, and then iterate, figure out what works, what doesn't work, make changes and grow, and then maybe bring on another vertical and so forth and so forth and growing and building that out, which, which right, totally makes that sense. That is largely the strategy. And yeah. as part of that, figuring out what is, what is consistent across industries and what is different. So for instance, it's going to be pretty consistent across companies that alumni are going to be an attractive uh, an attractive source of referrals. But what that network looks like, if you're a Series A company mm -hmm. who's maybe had four employees total over the course, maybe more like 10 to 12 employees total, versus if you're Coca-Cola, is going to look entirely different in terms of how you leverage those networks. They're going to be different communities, and the systems are actually going to be quite quite different. Um, a different set of systems and tools are being used within venture back tech versus elsewhere. Now, how do you, how do you share this with people? I know you mentioned like Slack, Discord, what have you. Is, do you, do you on your site, let's say have a list and say, hey, here are some of the areas you can go to, to make it easier for them? Or how does that work? We do have a list. So anyone right. who has an account, um, our, our website is getreferred.co. Um, and it's completely self-service. So users can go sign on, um, create an account in just a couple minutes, actually by integrating with LinkedIn. And then they can see available referral opportunities. Um, if they see one that they think they know someone who's a great fit for, they can instantly create a referral in about two minutes. Or if they see one that they find interesting, they can request a referral in the same amount of time. Requesting a referral from a personal connection, which I'm happy to get into. Yeah, and so yeah. that's how... It's, and that's how some of our users discover open opportunities is by going to our website. But most of them, that's not true. They're discovering them in the wild, in the places that they're already active. That might be on the job board um, within one of the Slack or Discord communities that we're part of, uh, that they're a part of. We're currently building out our integrations into those communities to automate the process of relevant roles being exposed there and relevant referral opportunities. In a lot of cases, it's actually our customers who are amplifying the bounties because they're talking about the referral program anywhere they're already talking about hiring. And then, of course, we do our own marketing activities to nurture our users. So a lot of different ways, um, but making it seamless and easy to discover is a big focus for us. Now, have you thought about this or is some, this is something you wouldn't want to do? Is that I could imagine... What I'm seeing now for recruiters, there it's 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 to put it nicely, it's not a good environment for them right now. It hasn't been from you know mid 2022 to 2023, and then even to now, where you're seeing all these companies instead of having like these 10,000 layoffs, you know, Citigroup is saying, hey, we're going to lay off to 2026. Google's like, oh, we're going to just keep laying off. So for recruiters, there it's kind of like a bloodbath. I hate to say it that way. Uh, really difficult. Would that, would your site then 
also work as like, let's say somebody, you know, I'm just using recruit example because I kind of know that world the same way, you know, you have venture back, you know, so you know that world where they may say, huh, I might not get the huge, you know, $20,000, $30,000 fees I was used to getting, but I want to stay in the game until things get better. Let me check this out and make it their kind of job almost to say, hey, yep. how can I find people, you know, to, you know, to find and, and give a referral? I'll make a few dollars. I may, I'm doing good. I'm helping out. I'm keeping my, you know, interpersonal skills still, you know, still alive. I'm not just sitting at home watching TV and feeling sorry for myself. And I'm just using recruiters examples, but what, would that be something that you're, that you offer or people will just pick up on and say, Hey, you know what? I'm in between jobs. I lost my job. I was downsized. You know what? I don't know really what to do. I don't want to drive a Lyft or, or an Uber. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just, you know, I like to make yeah. it some, a side hustle. Let me try okay. it. Is that something that you offer or that's something that it just comes organically? What, what do you think? It's, it's a great question, and I'll say it's something that largely comes organically, but you are mm -hmm. absolutely right mm -hmm. that recruiters are often our best referrers. They're not okay. our only referrers. There are platforms out there that are specifically focused on um, the independent recruiter market. We welcome the independent recruiter market, mm -hmm. but we also welcome software engineers referring other software engineers sure. or software engineers referring financial analysts, really. We believe great referrals can come from everywhere. But I would say independent recruiters um, are some of our best referrers because of exactly the reason that you mentioned. It is their expertise. They have the network and it's a way to earn money on the side while also helping our candidates. And one big difference that I wanna say is that it isn't just laid off recruiters. It's employed recruiters too, mm. who sometimes have candidates that they can't place within their own company, but they think are great. I mean, you're probably familiar with the term silver metal candidate candidate, that, uh, that person that you met who was absolutely wonderful, but unfortunately there was someone who maybe it was specific experience or familiarity with a tool, just eked them out to land that only one head role, but you still want to help that person succeed. Um, so we see a lot of recruiters using our platform. We love it because we think it, it ups the quality um, of our referrals. Um, we see great referrals coming through these channels. And then hopefully we're building brand evangelists for us over time. Mm -hmm. So for those recruiters who are laid off when they find their next job, well, we would love for them to bring refer into their organization to help that organization because they had a positive experience with us. It makes a lot of sense. Are there other types of people that you see kind of coming there to help out that you never would have thought of that like, wait, what? It's not, I wouldn't say that yeah. I've noticed any specific yeah. pattern yeah. in terms of who these individuals are, yeah. what role they are, et cetera. What you would definitely find is just like any other tool out there for consumers or really for anybody. We've got some power users who are making tons of referrals. Um, we actually mm -hmm. have to monitor those. Quality monitoring is something that we take very seriously um, to ensure we're not sending spam onto any of our customers, but we do love our power referrers. Um, and so we see the ones who go on there and make lots of referrals or clearly helping one candidate spread across a couple of roles. Um, the average user on our platform has made about three referrals and a single referral is an individual job combination. It's so wild. I love this. This is great. Yeah. And and so 
where do you see this is going? I know you said like you have this vertical venture, you know, venture capital backed entities, eight, you know, beginning seed rounds, right? Beginning few rounds, right? When they're building up. Um, yep. Are you going to still keep go to like more mature, you know, VC backed or starting? Are there any ideas you have for the next place you're going to go to in terms of building up another base? It's a it's a it's a great question. I'd say in general, we are going to stick with our venture back tech mm -hmm. ecosystem as our main focus in the short term. But as you say, maturing up the stack within our customers. Yes, we want to bring our customers on at Series B and Series C right now. Um, there's a variety of reasons I've learned in the sales process why that's my focus and why mm -hmm. I have finally learned that saying I really have three customers means you don't actually know who your customer is. I've now learned that more specifically. Um, but we want to grow with them. So someone who signs on with us at Series B, we're still their partner at Series D, E, F, and beyond. Um, sometimes the integration, security, um, compliance needs for larger organizations are quite different, can be harder to get into, which is why we've focused on populations who are typical early adopters, but absolutely planning to scale. There are a lot of niche areas where people are specifically having trouble hiring that we've thought about taking a focus push at. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously a huge shortage of accountants in the U.S. Could we focus on specifically in accountants? We hear lots and lots of demand for defense hiring, but that's its own organism and beast that requires a, a lot of very specific knowledge and networking. Um, whether we focus on specifically Web3 type roles, because that's a community where there aren't a lot of experienced hires yet. Um, definitely noodling with those different ideas, but right now um, staying a little bit more general within our core. So that's all. That's awesome. Like, so how does it feel to be, you know, take a step, like a, a step away a little bit? But how does it feel? You work for, you know, Foursquare, Baines, and you know, large organizations, and now you're heading up running this startup. How is it weird? Yeah. Is it great? Is it awesome? Is it is it like how how is the transition how do you feel about it is it different do you love it do you, is like <laughs> is it working all hours what's what's behind the scenes so for people who always like looking, all right so you know you know so you know she started a startup everyone kind of wants to know what goes on behind the curtain like how you know how many hours goes in what is it like do you, can you have a life still what's do you mind it, giving it is I, I can try and I will say that of all the adjectives that you used, it is all of those things and often it's all of those things within an hour. I'd say the best descriptor <laughs> of what it is, is that yeah. it is a roller coaster of emotions and you feel so closely tied uh, to any any feedback that you get on the product. And so my customer can say a nice thing about me on LinkedIn and I'm over the moon for the next 24 yeah. hours. And then I walk into another investor meeting who says, you know, cool, but you need more traction because right now the easiest way for VCs to say no to companies is to say more traction. Um, that can mean anything. Um, those days are harder. So I'd say, I'd say it's all over the place. You've got to prepare for those up and down emotions because there's gonna be a lot of wins and successes, you hope, and those feel so much stronger mm -hmm than a typical work success, at least based on my experience, when it's really something that you have built, something that you've been living and breathing for, in my case, for the last year plus, et cetera. Things that would seem so small to me 
back when I was high up within a larger organization, oh, we got positive feedback from one customer. When I was at Foursquare in a leadership role, hearing that a customer was happy, sure, it made me happy. I liked having happy customers, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say it made my day because I wasn't particularly intimately connected to that. Whereas now I get a random surprise of, of, of customer flattery or customers making a connection to somebody else or a user posting and saying, this is so cool. And I feel those so strongly mm -hmm. i will caveat that it also makes the losses feel just as strong and oftentimes you can wonder if it's just going to continue like that i remember when we were first early on turning on our prospecting tools and it felt like i could send out 100 messages in a week and nobody would respond to me and immediately i started thinking oh my god does nobody care about referrals or referrals a bad idea what's going on no we were using the wrong messaging. We were probably targeting the wrong audience. We hadn't built any brand awareness yet, et cetera. Um, but a lot of times, like anything else, or for most people who are starting as first-time founders, it's a job you've never done before. And so until you go through some of the pain points of doing it wrong, you don't learn how to do it the right way. Um, so I'd say roller coaster of emotions, super fun. Um, like if you get excited about doing lots of different things, wearing lots of hats, as I said, it is perfect for that kind of, uh, ADHD frenetic energy <laughs> brain to be spending different time elsewhere. I personally love it that I get to work on product for an hour, prospecting for an hour, talk to customers for a couple of hours, write a new piece of content for the next bit. Um, I need that sort of, that sort of jumping around. Um, so overall exciting, lots of fun hours of work. Um, I'm not going to pretend it's not a lot of work. Mm -hmm. I will say that efficiency for me is the name of the game. If you spend forever trying to agonize over every piece of content, every email, every outreach being perfect, you're never going to get anything done. So 80-20 in everything that I do, it keeps the hours that I'm actually sitting at my computer working manageable. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, there's only so much I can do in the given day, but it never really turns off in your brain. You're always sort of thinking about it as you're brushing your teeth at night, yeah. as you're making coffee in the morning. I like that. I was never fully able to turn my brain off of work. Um, so it works for me, but it certainly, it can certainly be hard to compartmentalize. I can imagine it, it must be, must've been so tough when you, you gave that example where you send everything out and like you no know, responses. You mu you must have had that momentary. Oh my God! What did I do? What did I get myself into? <laughs> oh no! So these highs and absolutely. lows, absolutely right. I mean, there have been definitely highs and lows throughout, and those are minor examples of one. I probably have a couple of highs and lows every week, um, to be honest, because it just does change that quickly and dramatically. You find an event and it really works. Um, I'd say it's a series of doing a lot of things that don't work to better identify the ones that do, so you can start repeatedly doing those things in a different way. Um, for us, it was learning that broad-based email prospecting, um, sending out you know hundreds of emails a week, et cetera, for us at least, I'm not saying that email doesn't work mm -hmm. as a channel, that was not yielding anything to us. In fact, all it did was reduce our domain reputation score down to zero, and suddenly my own emails weren't hitting everyone. That was a low point when I realized that my mm -hmm. personal outreach to investors and customers wasn't even going through because they were getting hit by Google spam blockers. Um, but 
overall, I think having people around you who are excited about it, having your teammates, your co-founder, et cetera, who can help you through those low moments so that there's somebody else who's bringing you up mm -hmm. and bringing you back on the page is super important. And then being very candid yourself as you step into the journey that in all likelihood it will fail and you are choosing to do it anyways. I think every founder needs to have some of that realism when they embark on the journey to prevent those early disappointments from being too crippling. That's really good advice. I mean, would you, given that you're going through it now, would you, for people who are watching this, who are considered to be an, thinking about being an entrepreneur, would you recommend it or would you recommend it, but you have to have a strong stomach for going on roller coasters, ups and downs? Both of those things. Yeah. I would recommend it and you have to have a strong stomach. And honestly, and this is one of the unfair parts of founder, but you need to have a pretty stable positioning so that you can go into an environment where you're barely going to pay yourself for at least mm -hmm. let's call it a year, et cetera, that you might have unknown prospects in a year's time. I mean, that's one of the challenging thing, most challenging parts about founding a company is whether or not you have the luxury of personal resources to allow yourself that period of risk. But what I would, what I would um, encourage to any um, person who's considering founding a company, et cetera, I think you sort of know in your bones that it's gonna be an itch that you're always gonna have. And so I would encourage someone to try it. Uh, former founders are everywhere in uh, the technology industry. It's not like, oh, well, my startup failed. I'm never gonna be able to find a job again. Like, no, don't worry if you have a job now and you're pretty good at it. If you go and start something and you discover after a year, two years, three, it doesn't work, but you learned a lot and can communicate that learning impact, you're gonna be just fine. You will find another job. But do you have the appetite um, for the entrepreneurial life, are you really excited about that dynamic, ever-changing emotional roller coaster? And can you consciously take on the risk? For me, I went into it and thought, hey, always knew I wanted to start a company. And if not now, when? At this exact moment in time, for me, it ticked a list of boxes of why now was a good time to start a company. Everyone's list is going to be different. For me, it was that I didn't have a mortgage. I didn't have kids yet, et cetera. And for me, those were some of the criteria that I used to say, now is a good point in time in my life to found a company if I'm ever going to do it. While separately, there were a whole lot of reasons why I refer and why I refer now. Um, but the other thing that I was very clear on myself with was if this totally fails in a year, I'm not going to regret doing it. I'm going into it with the mindset that it absolutely might fail, but it is still a massive learning experiment, whatever opportunity, and I'm going to do it. If you go in, is that the right way or not? I don't know. There are plenty of founders who are going in, I'm sure, saying there's no way this can fail because I believe so strongly in my product. Everyone's is a bit different. But for me, it was knowing that I had the risk tolerance to go the startup journey, which is a very hard journey. You know, it's so interesting that you brought this topic up, Lauren, because early on when I started doing the blind podcast with, with my buddy, Rick Chen, um, this is based off of like blind, that the, you know, the platform. And I, we were talking to this guy, Sean Kim from Kajabi. And first of all, I didn't really know anything about tech when I started doing it. And I got, you know, I got immersed, <laughs> right? So like Kajabi, I heard Kajabi, right? And so he was talking about a company he started that just, and he was talking very openly about failing. And I'm thinking, 
this is weird. Like, why is he talking about failing and just in such a nonchalant way? And I find out later on, speaking to so many other, you know, senior people who founded companies or executives, their backstory is filled with, hey, I tried, it didn't work, it failed, but it didn't fail because I've learned from it and I pivoted and now it's even better. Or I iterated and I figured out why it wasn't working and now I do it. And it just baked it seems like it's just baked into the cake. That's what it is. Like, you know, very rarely do you find yeah. a Mark Zuckerberg that just goes straight up. You know, that's, I think, I think like people are, because you see stories like that. So you think, oh, that's what's supposed to happen. But it seems like, no, there's, there's, there's ups, downs, in-betweens, right? There's all sorts of chaos in between that you just got to get yeah. comfortable dealing with. Absolutely. All sorts of chaos. I mean, the numbers will tell you and any VC will tell you that most startups fail. And so if you don't go into it with that healthy reflection of it's at least a significant possibility, well, then you're you're fooling yourself in some ways. But at the same time, I think more importantly, it's it, failure is more likely to come when you're going off an established path. When you're following an established path that other people have done before, that you've done a million times before, et cetera, that's almost rote in nature, you're unlikely to truly fail because you have so many models to reflect off of. Um, whereas when it's, it's when you're trying to do something truly different, truly innovative, truly experimental, et cetera, it's by trying, you're giving yourself the opportunity to fail because it's not something that's been A-B tested a million times before. And so in some ways, like failure is emblematic of experimentation. Um, and the people who uh, are successful founders are often former failed founders mm -hmm. because they're people who have experimented so many times and it takes a while to get it right. I mean, you can look at uh, like at Edison. I can't forget what the exact quote was, but it was, you know, 10,000 ways mm -hmm. not to make a light bulb before finding the right one to yeah. do it. You have to be willing to take big risks with the knowledge that most of those risks might fail, but you don't need all of them to be successful to be successful yourself. And for the people who are watching this, listening to this, in a way, it's kind of similar too, because you interview and then maybe it doesn't work out, but then you iterate and figure out, hmm, what can I do better? You know, maybe I'll yeah. role play with somebody who can give me some good feedback, give me constructive criticism, try to get better. So it's, it's you know, different types of worlds, but it's kind of the similar in the sense that you're always trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Oh, this didn't work. I learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to do something different to keep learning and growing, right? And that's how, like, whether you succeed with a business or in finding that new job is to con constantly try to figure out, all right, what am I doing right? and keep going with that. If I'm not doing it right, all right, let's put a pause on that and try to figure out how to do better and keep moving forward. It, absolutely. And uh, the thing that is important um, that we should touch on that job seekers should be doing too, is it's not just experimentation without information. So everyone will talk about how um, so many startups fail because they're not getting enough user feedback. So much of building in the right way, experimenting in the right way, is talking to who your prospective customers are, your actual customers, your churned customers, in fact, and understanding it, what it is that they want for you to build. And similarly, I think job seekers should be leaning on people they've worked with in the past to help them with their narrative. Job seekers should be encouraged to go to their old manager and say, 
hey, Rory, I'm naming one of my old managers. Mm -hmm. Hi, Rory, if you're on. Um, what do you think really stood out about me as an employee? What do you really remember, et cetera? Um, that will help you get out of your own head in terms of what you think the job description wants to hear and instead towards what you're able to communicate authentically that's going to be backed up by your references and that's going to be backed up by the individual experiences you choose. So job seekers should absolutely experiment but they should also constantly be asking for feedback um, from people they've worked with, from people they're interviewing with, et cetera, to frame those experiments. Well, this is fantastic. I really love you taking the time to walk through it. I think this is super helpful. I can't, I think for a lot of people, it's for the VC back tech kind of area now, but then there are all sorts, you're going to grow it and have all sorts of other things. So maybe before we break out for the people who maybe are not in that tech space, I know we kind of talked about, but maybe just reconfirm for those who need, are looking, how do I get in without just submitting my resume one after the other after the other, that they can try to find that referral and get in there. Any, any last bit of advice maybe for, for these job seekers? That they can try to, to get that referral. And I would mm -hmm. say that second connections and third connections are your friend. And LinkedIn does a nice job of that when you navigate to a company page and you can see the current employees and it's pretty easy to filter by second connections. So then you can figure out which of your first connections you've got to go tap for introductions. When you move outside of tech um, or even within tech, LinkedIn mm -hmm. is not the end all be all, but similarly in other communities that you're part of, you should be able to find ways how your first connection can give you access to different companies. If you're exclusively looking for internal referrals at a company, you might struggle because you're limited by where your network is actually at at this moment in time versus the much greater, much more fruitful population of the network your network has and how that can help you. So I'd say don't be too precious with your definition of your network either. One of the really good things about referrals is that it creates a very specific way that somebody can help you. And when you think about the people you've worked with in the past, whether your peers, whether people you've managed, or most, uh, most likely the people you've reported into, most of them want to help the people that they've worked with. That's what I've seen actually most individuals want to help each other, but they don't know how. And if you just say, hey, Rory, can you help me with my job search? Uh, okay, what does that mean? What's the commitment here? What's the outcome, et cetera? If you say, hey, Rory, I saw that you know Sarah at Figma. I'm really interested in this role for these reasons. Would you, able, would you be able to put me in touch with her? That is some easy way that they are able to support you. So specificity is your friend when you're making requests of your network. And referrals or connections are a great specific requests that provide immediate fruit. But this is great. I, I, I really love it. This is a, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it, it's one of those things where this yeah. is what I love doing because, you know, when I'm writing, there's so much like, we've all seen this on social media and everywhere, hate, anger, you know, everyone's <laughs> at each other's throats. So I purposely try to seek out people and companies, particularly small startup companies, that are doing something cool to help out because there's enough like bad stuff going on that I figure I, you don't need another person to talk about bad stuff. So I'm purposely trying to find places and people like you who, who are trying to make a difference. 
And you can make a huge difference because all you need is that one person that sends over a referral and they get that, they've been out of work for a long time. Now they get that job and they're back up and running and they feel good about themselves. They feel confident, you know, they have some more money for their family. So it's, it's a good thing. And we don't talk about stuff like this enough. That's why I'm a big champion of, you know, you and your company and others like you, because, you know, this, this is what's really important, you know, helping people do better and enjoy their lives and, and find the jobs they want and, and you're making it easy for them. And for the people who are helping, they also get a financial reward. So it's like everybody wins. I, I, to be honest, it's so much of what you're saying. I mean, when I really started unpacking this concept in this business, doing market testing around it, I mean, one thing that stuck with me over and over again was that I just couldn't see a downside for anybody involved. For companies, our pricing is entirely zero risk. It's free to post roles on our platform, only pay when you successfully hire someone. So for them, when they find an attractive candidate, it is a cheaper, faster, higher quality hiring mechanism. A candidate who may otherwise never have gotten noticed or mm -hmm. never have discovered this job opportunity gets special access to a great role, and somebody in the middle gets rewarded for making that connection. I only see upside through it, and that makes me really happy. And more importantly than that, though, is these behaviors are already happening everywhere you look. If you scroll on LinkedIn, go ahead, scroll on LinkedIn right now, mm -hmm. you'll see lots of hiring managers and recruiters say, hey, I'm hiring for a great project manager. Know anybody? Send them my way. You unfortunately see lots of people, especially as layoffs continue, saying, hey, I'm one of the people impacted, reaching out to my network to help me. And even better hey, a bunch of my phenomenal colleagues were impacted yesterday. I would vouch for every single one of them. You'll be lucky if you hire them. People are asking for referrals. People are asking for support from their network. And people are offering help. But like anything else, when it's happening in a broad-based way, without a system, et cetera, it's nowhere near as efficient and productive as it could be. So what we're really focused on is taking those existing behaviors, existing motivations, and making them better for everybody involved. Brilliant. That's awesome. I love it, Lauren. So Lauren Smith, thank you awesome. so much for coming on the show. This is fantastic. Thank you, Jack. And last thing, for people to reach out to your company or to you, what's the best way? How can they reach out? Yep. So um, anybody can go to our website, getreferred.co, um, and create a, a sign-up. This will reveal that our domain name will actually be changing down the line because anybody can email me at lauren at joinrefer.co. A little bit confusing there. You know what? We could put it into you know, the uh, graphic that we have, they're running, you know, about to size. so this way, yeah, so they know how to That'd reach out to you personally if, and also to send a referral and get involved. So this is fantastic. So thank you very much. Awesome. I think this is gonna help a lot of people. And I'm gonna check it out myself. I'm gonna keep my eyes because there's so many people always hit me up. Hey, I'm looking for something, but I, I might not know much about their expertise, whatever. So this, this opens a door for me to help a lot of people too. So I'm excited. This is great. You're doing great work. Great. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. Thanks, Jack. This is awesome. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye.